0: Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Hi friends, welcome. So glad you could join us, whether you are uh, from one of the campuses where you guys are now meeting together in person, we're a little jealous, but, or you're from around the world, or whether you are just tuning in, we're so glad that you're here, want to hope, hopefully this can be a time where you can really learn and engage and connect in, and so if you want to join in on the chat, you can do that, or just listen along, and we are in the middle of a series lessons from lockdown, actually we're at the end of it, and we've kept extending it and extending it, you never know when it's going to end, it might never end, the way we're going, (laughs) feels a little like the lockdown, right? It might never end. Hey, but, I don't know if you noticed this, if you're coming from the direction I was coming from, BDI is now open and there are like a thousand people lined up. So, you know what, for sure spring is here. Anyways, and we are going to get through this. And what we've been talking about over the last nine weeks or so is what does, what can we learn from uh, this Apostle Paul, this guy who was kind of a world changer, and moving around and going and grabbing a hold of stuff, and then he got jammed up with the government, and he ended up being imprisoned, and then he writes these, these three letters specifically to churches. And in these three letters, he begins to talk to them. I think he's kind of talking to them like a dad or a grandfather who's kind of ending his life. And he has some very specific wisdom for them. And these, most of of what you're going to read, and especially we're going to take a look at the book of Colossians, is not like, you know, inspirational, pithy little tweets that you're going to get lots of likes on. It, It actually is something that you have to dive into a little bit. As you read through the book of Colossians, you're going to have to stop and go, oh, wait a minute, and I filled up my flesh with your thanksgiving. I have no idea what that means. Actually, I still have no idea what that means. (laughs) And, And as you read through the book of Colossians, you're going to be challenged And and as we take a look at that, I'm going to give you kind of the big picture of the book of Colossians. But then I'm going to bring it down to what is it in our lives that we need to get? Because Paul, at the end of his life, was... And it's kind of like saying, hey, come here. And and my my, um, father-in-law did this with my, my, my sons. And he sat down with them. And he said, hey, guys. I need you to know some things. And I thought, oh... This is good. And this was the funny part of it. He goes, okay, here's the first thing you got to do, and this is really important. Stay out of the big house. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that's jail. (laughs) And I thought, okay, well, kind of a low bar, right? (laughs) But (laughs) here we go. And then he started pouring out this wisdom to my sons. And he was not a guy who talked a lot. And he kept telling them things of what was important. And he was, I'll tell you a little bit more later, he was well into his 80s when he accepted Christ. And he had a life that was interesting. Uh, And he ended up just talking to my boys and giving them this amazing stuff. And this is how I want you to get the book of Colossians. Paul has actually never been to Colossae. But what he did was uh, the Epaphras was one of his converts. And Epaphras went to this city and he um, started a church there. So these are his grandkids. So he's actually talking to his grandkids. And his grandkids have kind of gotten into trouble. They are kind of going off in a few different directions that are not good. And he is talking to them. And as he talks to them, and I think this is how God talks to all of us. As he talks to them, instead of going after all the things that they were doing wrong... He talks to them about one thing that you're going to see, especially in the first two chapters of, of Colossians, that, that really sets and frames everything and actually makes all that stuff sort of irrelevant and fall away. And this is the big thing that Paul talks about. And I hope that you get nothing else out of this message. You get this. God is, in Jesus, supreme. He is over all. He is in all. He is through all. He created the world through him. He's going to end it. He, in fact, the whole universe was created by him with a word that was spoken. And in fact, all of the universe, the Bible says, was created for him and he owns it and it's his. And all of a sudden you go, Oh, wow, Jesus is supreme. And as you begin to understand, and as Paul kind of lays out what Jesus is actually supreme over, you can begin to think about your life. And your life can begin to fall together in very, very different ways when you understand how Jesus is preeminent over everything. From the very big to those very small things that keep you up at night. And you wish they didn't. I think one of the struggles that we have, and and maybe this is for some of you for sure, is this, is that when you read the Bible and you see this little Jewish man going around in his sandals and his robe and kind of doing some amazing things, you you maybe don't get really the clear picture of who Jesus is. And Jesus went and he, you know, he calmed the storm and people went, oh, good. And then he went around and he healed everybody and they went, oh, Hmm. And they started gathering around him. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. And they went, oh. But then he died. And he was raised from the dead. And they went, oh. But I want you to think about this. One of the men who lived with him for three years, who ate with him, who saw everything the little Jewish man did, who was the fullness of God, this is what Jesus really looks like. He came and he saw Jesus in Revelation, and this is how he described the vision, the picture of who Jesus was. He said his eyes were like blazing fire, his feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand, he held seven stars. And, they, and, in, his, and in his face was the brilliance shining like the sun with f- pure brilliance. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I was dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and he said, do not be afraid. I love that. This is Jesus, but this is Jesus, and this is what He said. And every every time you're going to see a scripture popping up, and every time I there the words "I am" are on that, I want you to yell out "I am." Okay, here we go. He says, "I "I am the first and the last. I am." The Living One. I was dead, but look, I am. I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of Hades and of death. And all of a sudden everything changes. And John, who knew this Jesus and who was amazed by him and saw all this things, he falls down on his face and he goes, "No! This is Jesus!" This is the maker of everything. This is the one who holds the whole universe in his hands. And he has a revelation of who Jesus actually is. And my friends, you and I, we are on a journey to understand who Jesus actually is. His supremacy, his preeminence over everything. And when you and I begin to get that, life absolutely changes. And it isn't that we spend all of our time flat on our face. You know, you might do a little bit of that. But what you get and what you understand is how much of your life is completely held by him. That not only did he create everything in this world, he sustains everything in this world, and he owns everything in this world. And there are all these big things that we can say about him. And in fact, if we look at the whole book of Colossians, it it kind of is that Christ is all and Christ is in all. And And it's summed up in this. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So also you are complete. Wherever you are, say complete. You got that, right? Because Jesus is who he is. You are complete. Ah, oh, that changes a lot. And through our union with him, that Jesus is in us, who is the head over every rule and every authority in our life. Jesus is our Lord. He is supreme in that he created everything. He is He created the church and he watches over the church and he watches over your ministry and he watches over your salvation and he watches over your growth. He created our life, our mind, our body, our actions, our attitude. Jesus is actually supreme over all of those things. And in in, 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 the, in the end of it, he is supreme over our love, whether it's outsiders, our community, our family. As we look at that and, and we see that Jesus actually has all of that in control, but there's a thing that I think is really important for us to get, and that's this. That big picture of who he is, that he is supreme, and he is in that place, and he holds that place. There's this other part. Long before... A little bit before my wife was born, there was a lady who lived in her hometown, and she was just really, you would say, ordinary Christian lady, like any one of you could say, yeah, it was kind of me. And she had a picture that popped into her head of a laneway. And all of a sudden, she recognized that that laneway was actually a laneway in her town, and she began to pray about that. And then she saw the next picture that God gave her was that Jesus was walking down that laneway. And she thought, huh, well, if Jesus can walk down that laneway, maybe I should walk down that laneway too. And that laneway led to my wife's family home. You see, my wife's family was on a course that Everybody in their generations had all been on. There's a lot of alcoholism. There's a lot of things going in very negative directions. And there was no reason to think that they wouldn't go exactly in that same direction. Except Jesus walked down their laneway. And then everything changed. Eileen's mom became a Christian. And the family slowly began to change until it was unrecognizable for what it was before. And the addictions were gone. And the people were changed. And now, Eileen's dad, who is now in heaven, had a whole bunch of reasons to be angry at the church. And some of you listening are the same way. You could list off all the reasons why you're angry at the church. Because we are flawed. Amen? (laughs) You should have been more enthusiastic in the building about that. And if you're watching online, amen. We are, all of us, are incredibly flawed. And what he did is he saw the stuff that had happened, and he became bitter and angry at Christians. Except, you know what? There was two people that he talked about completely differently who were Christians. And they were the only two. And that was that couple... That I told you about, the lady who walked down the laneway and her husband. Because when Jesus moves into a situation, he isn't just the God of the universe and the God of creation and the God who does this, he's the God who walks down your laneway and he changes everything. Because Jesus is supreme. And he's supreme in those moments when you don't know what to do. And he's supreme when you're completely confused. Our part is, we, got to, we have to allow God to be and to be with him in the middle of it. You see, there the church in Colossus was doing something that most of us do all the time is they, they kind of allowed these other things to come in that sort of uh, diluted their relationship, that, that sense of who Jesus was, that supremacy that he had in their life. And, and actually, there was there are, are some particular things that they struggled with, and, and I'm gonna go through them really quickly because they I think they relate somewhat, and then I'm gonna dive in a little bit to what that actually means for us. Before I do that, I, I had... Kind of an interesting uh, experience this last week. We do our Wednesday Bible studies uh, based on the sermons. And as I was doing the Bible study, I was standing up there and we were talking about difficult things that sometimes happen in people's lives. And as I was just about to say my next sentence, I had this thought that come to mind and it said, you should apologize to someone online for something, say sorry for something that happened to them in their life. And I thought, well, that's a stupid idea. (laughs) (laughs) okay I wasn't calling God stupid I was just thinking stupid right that's a that's a stupid thought right but you know when you get a God thought it sort of sticks there right and and it wasn't like I had to do it I had a choice because we always have a choice but there was a thought and that thought came in and I said okay Wow, I hope this doesn't sound insincere and shallow. That was mostly my thought. And I said, you know what? You've had some, there's somebody watching online, and you've had some incredibly hard things happen in your life, and that person is never going to say sorry to you. So I would like to do that. And I'm really sorry. And I thought, woo. <laughs> All right, and now we go back to our Bible study. (laughs) And it just felt like one of those things, right? And it's kind of like the way it is in life. (laughs) But did I mention that Jesus was supreme? Is that he took that thing that I thought was, eh? And I, I got a call on Monday, or an email on Monday from this lady, and she said, you know what? That person that you talked to, that was me. And that person will never say sorry to me but I so appreciate that coming from you. I'm like, ah, Jesus, you're amazing, right? Even when you have this hopeless pastor who's kind of like floundering around and whatever, and God just reaches in because he is not just the supreme God of the universe. He is the God who comes, and he comes right to where you live. And he puts his hand on the spot that needs it. And he touches it because he is supreme in everything. Those of you who are here can give God a hand. And those of you who are online, you can hit the heart button. That is who God is in his life. So what are the things that the church in Colossae struggled with? And uh, Paul says this to them. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive with with hollow and deceptive philosophies. And he calls them like fine sounding arguments. And I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but this is my contemporary version of that. I I heard something lately and I thought, oh, I bet you this is just like that. And, And maybe you've heard this before. Love is love. And you know what? That sounds really good, doesn't it? But actually, that's not true. Because there's some love that's destructive. There's some love that is not the pattern after which God chose to have love connect up. And so I think as we live our life, we need to be so cued into the spirit to say, you know what, just because something sounds good, and is based on human tradition, or on the way society is going, doesn't mean that it's God's best. And God, we want to say that you are supreme, and even though I may feel it, and even though it may be hard for me to hear these things, God says, you know what? I actually created you. I know what your heart really needs. So let's take a look at the things, like, really quickly, guys, and then I'm going to get sort of where we are. What are these things? The first thing was this, is the, the Church of Colossae struggled with legalism, and there was a lot of don't taste, don't touch, don't smell, uh, don't handle. And, and when you think of that, these are what Paul says, it's sort of like you can't even taste it, you can't even touch it, you can't even smell it. Does this seem like a lot of rules to you? And you know what? This is a little bit of what happens in church sometimes is we get, we get way too much into the rules of things and we forget about the person. And this is what happened to these people who were in church is they, and some of the Jewish people got caught up in their Old Testament laws and they were, in, they were so raptured in that part of it that religion took over. And Paul says, don't you know this, that when in fact you were baptized, all those things were taken care of. And you actually are no good anyways. Your your goodness is never going to be good enough. So when you were baptized, you were baptized into Jesus. And so that's taken care of. The second one is this. There were some people who were super spiritual. And they always kept talking about the deep things of God. And they would go on and on and on about the deep things of God. And this is my own little personal whatever. Sometimes I hear people talking about the deep things of God and all of their relationships are like a train wreck, and their marriage is a dumpster fire. And I think, yeah, you don't actually need any more deep things from God. You know what you need to do? You need to love your wife. This is actually not, this not that deep, right? And, And, you know, sometimes we just get into this, we get into this super mystical stuff and everything. And at the end of the day, your relationship with God isn't complicated. And Paul says, you know what? What you, you don't really need these deep things. You don't need to pretend those, all those things were a shadow. The reality in your life is Jesus. When you draw closer to Jesus, you actually have a life that's, that's beyond yours. And the last thing that he talked about was the people were kind of taking the gospel and adding to it. And uh, there's an official name for it, not important, but basically what he said is that, the, the philosophy was a little bit of this, is that we are such terrible people and are, we are so sinful and God is so amazing that we kind of have to use the angels as intermediaries to pray to God because we couldn't possibly pray to him because we are so sinful and God is so amazing. And you know, you think about that, that kind of makes sense sort Of, right? Like, God is amazing. I'm terribly sinful. Except, Paul says, like, really, guys? Why are you adding stuff to the gospel? Jesus came, He died, He broke down every wall. Now you can have a relationship with God, you and Him. You don't need to add anything to it. And as they began to see this, you notice that in every way, what Paul did, rather than kind of saying, there's a heretic in the house which is true, right? It's true of this church. You're all kind of heretical. I'm kind of heretical, right? We all have stuff. We all have issues. He said, you know what? Let me do something for you. Let me point you to how amazing Jesus is, that he is preeminent over all things, and suddenly everything falls into its place. When you understand who Jesus is, a lot of this stuff just falls away because it's your relationship with him that allows you to grow and to move forward. So I want to take some time and I want to talk about, and and this is my part where I'm going to kind of poke at you a little bit. You ready for that? Sure. I'm going to take that one voice as permission. See, because we can't just take the Bible and say, well, that's great. Oh, look at what those things that those guys had. Without kind of looking at ourselves and our church in North America and what we're doing. And I think there, there are a number of things that if Paul were here, he would look and he would say, hmm, problem. One of them is this. There is a way in which we function generally as a church, and a church as, as in the big church, is that we have Jesus and And that we don't function with, well, I got Jesus and that's what I need. But we have Jesus and. And the things that we go through in our life, we actually pull in a bunch of other stuff to help us. Because we aren't willing to wait and live in the confusion and live in the frustration. And we do like Jesus and maybe I need to go to the fridge. Because that's going to really help me, right? Right? Or maybe I just need to find this little happy place in my mind when my marriage isn't doing so good where I can think about other ladies that I can make up that aren't really real and it would never happen. Or we have all these places that we go to and we have Jesus and in our life. And you know what? We all do it. All of us. And we're on a journey in our life to understand that it's Jesus, period. That he wants us to be in that place where we will live and draw our strength from him and draw our encouragement from him, that he is the main point. I remember there was a couple, 20 years ago, I've done a lot of weddings. Well, I was First, I was in a Mennonite church where they got married like at 18. So it was like boom, 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 boom. Married them all off and then came here, Church of the Rock, kind of became the marrying pastor for a while. And at last count, I was like 188 weddings that I'm officiated. And I love it. It's like one of the Funnest things I get to do, you get to interact with these couples and connect with them. And I was doing this wedding, or doing the, the ceremony, and, and I met with these couple, and it was sort of odd, because I've done a lot of weddings, and as they were talking about stuff, they were never excited about each other. They were excited about going on to destination wedding and the friends that they would do stuff with, and everything, but they never talked about how they were excited with each other. I thought, huh. Okay, you know personalities. Everybody's quirky or whatever, whatever, right? And as it got grew closer, I got like way and way more comfort, uncomfortable with this, and I realized this is actually a problem. And I said, okay, guys, so you know, I, I understand you're you know go to Bermuda, and I was thinking, hey, they're flying me to Bermuda. I'm thinking this is a sweet deal. <laughs> I, I maybe I shouldn't kibosh it. No, I wasn't saying that. And so I, I started talking with them, right? And, and I said, okay, but what are you excited about her? And he started talking about sailboarding with his friends. Ah! And she was fine with it because she was thinking about going off with her friends and going skydiving. This is a problem. So I said, you know what? I think, I don't know if you should get married because you aren't actually excited about each other. And they just looked and it was sort of that moment. And they got back to me and they said, you know what? We're actually not. We haven't actually told you. We just fight all the time. I thought, <laughs> well, that in and of itself doesn't actually matter. <laughs> Lots of couples fight. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as they went through this, I realized, and, and you're going to see this in, in your life, is there is a main point. And the main point of your life is Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus. All these other things are side points. And if you're more excited about those other things, I have news for you. You missed the point. God wants to be everything with you, for you, and around you. And if you're doing Jesus and, you're actually allowing the completeness that he wants in you to flow away from you. The second thing, that's Jesus and. The second thing is Jesus' light. And that Jesus is here to meet my needs. And it's kind of like that prosperity gospel thing. And, and it's a little bit like I, I use Jesus, use Jesus, to get what I want. I can either, I can, you know, get the things that I think would be really good. And I I had this one guy talk to me. He was super funny because he was really, really honest. He said, you know what? I tell people all the time about Jesus. I tell them the fact that Jesus, I can use Jesus to get stuff. And look at all this stuff I have. And he gave his boat and his car and everything like that. And I said, you said use Jesus. You know that, right? He says, yes, absolutely. Jesus is my ticket. I thought, oh, that sounds really bad. He says, do you know that? That's, and he goes, yeah, 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 no, Jesus is my ticket. Hey, I got a question for you guys. What do you do with a ticket once you're in the place where you're going? Pshht, the ticket doesn't matter. So if we think that we are attracting people by, and I, I use, the, use the easy one, but maybe it's like God makes me, ha- Jesus makes me happy. If happiness is the pursuit of your life, People are going to throw the ticket away, and they say, "Oh, yeah, I can be happy doing this. If Jesus is just your golden ticket it 's just Jesus light, and in fact, he has a whole nother deal that 's deeper that he wants you to experience, and the deeper probably includes, and I, I think this is hard for us because if you grew up in North America, we reverence and kind of figuring out how to just honor God when I'm not feeling it, when I'm in that place where I I don't really want to do it, it's foreign to us. And and Jesus is saying, I am who I am. What are you going to do with me? Jesus' light never cuts it because you'll always stay that shallow and when bad things come, your roots aren't deep enough and you'll get blown away. And I think for, for us as a North American church, Jesus' light might be one of the most uh, insidious things that we have. We need roots that are deep and roots that are deep that have gone down when it's been really dry and deep roots that have gone down when I don't understand and when I'm confused, I still grab a hold of Jesus, because I got nothing else, where else do I go? The, the last one that I think is a, a pretty big challenge for us is, is what I've called Jesus' puny, and it's kind of like his hand is too short, and he couldn't possibly, you know, help, and maybe God didn't come through in a particular situation in your life, and so then you give up, and, and I'm kind of talking to you straight here, folks, because that's sort of what Paul did, in 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 the church and he said hey you know what you give up on things because god didn't come through for you and i think that's one of the things that's a huge challenge for us and and i i think probably i learned this most from my wife and i have to say this in a way that you're going to understand this you see i thought when i got married my wife's job was to make me happy right (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. And and I thought, like, why wouldn't she just say, Aubrey, you're awesome. Wow, that was great. You know, and just be like, I'm a I'm a verbally effusive person. I love talking like that. Uh, my wife isn't necessarily that way. And that part is neither here nor there. But I realized after a while that my wife being a very godly woman was m- more committed to who I could become than making me feel good every moment of every day about myself. Dang. (laughs) See, because when you're immature, it's like not a lot of fun, right? Come on, stroke me. Make me feel good. doesn't matter, right? But what God is a lot like my wife is he actually is way more concerned about who you are becoming. And he looks at you and he calls out all the best in you and he doesn't actually isn't actually so concerned that in the moment you might be struggling with some things or working through because what he is working in you is a far greater glory and as you live your life and as you struggle through what you struggle through you know what it is never that god's arm is too short never god is always supreme but probably what he's doing in your life is he's looking at you and he's saying, you know what, I want you to be everything that I made you to be. And I'm going to help you through this. You see, the God who is supreme, who could have stopped this whole coronavirus right in its tracks, is the God who is supreme, who will help you through every moment of this, no matter what your situation is. That's how God is supreme. Amen? Amen? Folks, as we look at this, I want to end with with one final thought for you, and that's this. That God is big, and we could talk about his bigness, but I, I want you to leave with a sense of who he really is in your life. There's a young man uh, that I know, and I've asked his permission to, to tell his story, is, is that he was you know, for years struggling in his faith and kind of back and forth. And a little while ago, he really kind of dug in and got serious. And then it, this thing happened with his wife and and it was sort of one of those things out of the blue where this young, vibrant, like, go get him, 20-year-old, 20-something young lady, all of a sudden was like she was 85 years old and she couldn't walk and she couldn't do things. And cognitively, she was degrading. And it was just terrifying for them both. And she had a brain shunt from birth that they said, if in fact that had come loose or wasn't functioning the way it could function, she could die any moment. And he would watch her in bed and think that she had stopped breathing. And he lived in terror his whole life, his whole lifetime during that time. And he was at work just absolutely driving himself insane. And, and there's sort of two thoughts. One is, and I believe this is for someone, who, this, is, this is you, is, is that you've been kind of really digging into God recently and uh, now something really bad has come and you're saying, huh, look, this is what happens. I really get my life and I'm going after God and then this thing comes. Let me just cue you in right off here. Who do you think absolutely nudged you to get going so you would have the ability to take this situation with his strength? God did. Because Jesus is supreme. Not just in the big things, but in everything. So if you're going through something right now, that means he's preparing you and he's got you in the middle of it. So this young man with his his new wife, is in this situation, he calls my office, and or he calls me at home, and so he and I are chatting. And as we chat, um, I give him some of my advice, and he gets a little bit of Aubrey, which is eh, you know. And I say, hey, why don't we talk to Jesus? Which is brilliant. And Jesus says to him, "I said, you know what? Why don't you close your eyes and just be in that place and just ask Jesus what He would like to say to you." And you know, guys, this is your gold because Jesus is supreme in everything. And he sees this picture, which for me was whatever, but for him, absolutely broke the fear in his life. He saw a picture of his wife, just a little bit older, on a treadmill, running and doing her life and doing her stuff. And all of the fear and the terror and everything broke in him. Because in that moment, he learned something that all of us are on a journey of learning. That Jesus is supreme. Amen? Amen. 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 Why don't you give the Lord a hand? For all of you, I'd like to take this moment and just do this. Maybe you're, you're watching and you have never made that decision to make Jesus the leader of your life, or maybe you have and you've slipped away. I, I'm actually not asking if you had a bad week. We all have bad weeks and we do stuff. But if that's you and you know it's you, you feel that it's you, you need to push that button right now and you need to say, yes, I want to do that. I know Jesus, you're supreme, and I've been kind of doing the Jesus and, or maybe I've been doing no Jesus. And I need to put you in that place. Those of you who are here, pray along with me. And if you push that button, I'd like you to pray with me and pray it with all your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he is supreme in the big things. And he is supreme in everything in my life. Today I give you leadership of my life. It's no longer mine. It's yours. I give it to you. I thank you that from this moment on, I am complete. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Yeah, you can give God a hand here and at home. You can do that. Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose.